Hey, everybody. Michael J. Nelson here, along with Connor Lestoka. Connor, how are you? I'm good, Mike. It's uh, it's a rapidly approaching uh, Christmas time. Did some holiday shopping this weekend. Just really feeling the season. Uh, you know, got some, got some Plaz gifts, uh, some Plaz socks, Plaz tie for my dad. Did it's you, all, when uh, you went to the mall to get them, did you take a land van? Yeah, yeah, land van there, air van home. Um, land bus was, or Airbus on the man. When you when you go online, when I do it here, I'm in um, the Minneapolis area. Go to the Hennepin County website and you put in like, okay, what is the route that I have to take to get the land van over to the Airbus and then to the, it's it's really complicated. So well, yeah, I mean, the municipal systems websites are notoriously bad. Very before clunky. you start introducing the the difference between air van. Land cab, walk ramps, it just it makes it made it all a lot worse, frankly, <laughs> when they when we made that shift. Well, at a least a lot worse and a lot dumber. At least you got me my gift. I appreciate that. And I look <laughs> yes, forward no to problem. it. My, um, my plaz gift. Yeah, the plaz gifts. We had some uh we'd had some people take a plaz quiz over on our Patreon page, a plaz quiz that you made up with all the different plaz terms that had come in the book, whether or not oh, sort of like re- Yeah, re- I am a ex- fanfic for plazes. I am excited about that because the results are um uh, a little bit, I don't, I don't want to say they're shocking, but there are some of the questions that befuddled, befuddled <laughs> our listening audience. And um, yeah. explain what our show is first before we get to that. Yeah, so we're doing uh, 372 Pages We'll Never Get Back is a podcast where we read books that we expect that we're going to hate. We've read uh, The uh, Oeuvre of Ernest Klein, Ready Player One, and Armada. We did not care for those books. We read Jim Tice's uh, The Eye of Argon, regarded by the people who have read it as the worst book ever written. Uh, we, we quite enjoyed that one. Uh, I that was that one a lot. He was, was a scrappy underdog. And now we're reading uh, Tech War by uh, the the coined last time Shatlart, William Shatner, and his ghostwriter Ron Goulart, who have uh, con- constructed quite the saga of uh, futuristic drug dealers. Uh, well, uh, well... Guys talking about futuristic drug dealers. Yeah, um, we've met we've met nary a one so far. <laughs> we are still we are stalled on the Plaz Gate. We are um, awaiting orders from our uh, Plaz pilot. I I don't know. I don't <laughs> we know once did. Gonna... Have we talked about it on here? I can never remember. But we once we once screened a movie uh, we were considering for Rift Tracks called Piranha Piranha, <laughs> and uh, the whole the whole point of that was we you, you you were watching this movie about explorers in like Brazil or something. And uh, about an hour in, we turned to each other and we're like, they haven't shown any piranhas. And then I, from that point, I referenced that, that the other on, day about how much you loved that movie. And you're like, <laughs> we have to do this. <laughs> from that point on, it just became, they're not, they're not going to show a piranha. This is unbelievable. The piranhas were never mentioned. They were never like looming as a menace. And then they got to the end and maybe there was like some bubbling in the water that like, they never showed piranhas, though. It was amazing, and we for I was outvoted like five to one that we were, that we could not do the movie because it was very boring otherwise. So you would have put our paying audience through a two-hour <laughs> movie of ah, you get it? There's no piranhas. <laughs> so yes. that's what this is sort of like with the with the drug dealers. This with Bennett Sands and Sonny Hikori are the are the piranhas of this book. But yes, um, we 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 like I was saying, we gave these people a plaz quiz. Our, our generous Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash 372 pages. And I, on your quiz, out of 20, I got 15 right. So that is 75%. That was a C, I think, in my in my college high school college days, right? 75%? Uh, 
I think that was uh, once you, you know, you millennials came along. Yes, <laughs> they started grading it much more. Uh, that would have been a solid D or C minus in my day. <laughs> well, it was not uh, a good per- performance, but um, yeah, we had we had a bunch of people take it, and I think the high score, the highest one, was eighteen out of twenty. No one got a perfect, but a, a guy named A. D. Jameson and Mark Berger both got eighteen out of twenty. Yeah, I uh, after I wrote it, I went in and took it because I was doing the test because I, you know, was looking for um, obviously for spellings and you know errors and things because it was really hard to keep track of. I had a list with the bolded things that were real and the <laughs> non-bolded things that were not, you know, were that were fake. And and I still, when I finished the test, I'm, I'm sure I messed one of these up because there's right. no way that there's no way that plasdome isn't a real thing, <laughs> but it was not a real thing. And that, that was the one that fooled the most people. Huh. Uh, I was happy to see that my anchor, as they call it, when you put in it, you want to make sure that people are, you know, actually paying actually attention. Yeah. And yeah. taking it. And so that one, the anchor worked out well. And that was jazz plaz, which, okay. Was, so nobody fell for that. But plaz hair. <laughs> surprisingly fooled a a number of people that I I called out and lightly teased on the uh, Patreon (laughs) site. That that was probably like the the Mandela effect, just because hair has been so prominent that they they tricked themselves into remembering that. Well, my favorite comment was a guy named Namzad, probably his real name. Uh, his wife, who is not reading the book, got a 14 out of 20, and he got 11 <laughs> out of 20, and he is reading yes. the book. So, <laughs> Yes, I noted that. Uh, so we're doing something right. Um, but yeah, to, uh, to A.D. Jameson and to Mark Berger, I say, well done, Mark Berger. Well done. Mm. Huh? Mm. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Ooh. Con- Connor uh, Connor writes for Riff Track. He's, <laughs> he's a producer and writer uh, at Riff Track. I guess he'll pack it in. And yeah, uh, yep. uh, that wasn't even an original joke. I yelled that at a guy named uh, named uh, what was his name? Mark was it Mark Hamburger? Neil? Oh yeah, yeah, right. At the baseball game we went to two years ago, St. Paul Saints. He was pitching, and I he struck a, struck a guy out, and I yelled out, "Well done!" So yeah. I've had that in my quiver for uh, two more years, waiting for another opportunity. And I remember you were sitting in the middle between uh, the the three of us that were there, and you looked to your left and you looked to your right, no reaction. <laughs> you looked to Mark Hamburger who was pitching, no reaction. So I'm surprised you brought it up two years later, but there we are. Oh. All right, let's dig into Tech Wars chapters. 22 through 26 inclusive. Yep, let's do it. So this one, uh, we where we left last left Jake Cardigan, he was uh, he was sensing that he might be uh, getting set up by some uh, by some Max the Machinist. Uh, but nevertheless, he he charged ahead uh, toward an alley because there was a young girl who was being chased by an evil guy, and he's a he's a he's a good guy. So regardless of whether it was a setup, he uh, he heads after her to rescue her and. There's no reason to to dance around it. It it was a setup. <laughs> yes. It was it was a setup. Um, I think it was one of his weird monologue moments where he mused out loud. Well, <laughs> this is probably a setup. And then, yeah. like the end of the chapter was, he charged down the. Oh, there it is. Yeah. I have it right here. This could be a setup. Jake reflected. These are out loud. These are not yes. him reflecting. But I better make sure. And then drawing his <laughs> las gun. I refuse to call it Lay's gun. He headed for the alley. So that's where yeah. we were. So this is sort of like, uh, I, you know, I, I read this section twice. And so by by the end of this chapter, it's revealed that this is a setup. But it's sort of like when you uh, know the twist at the end of, um, you know, Usual Suspects or Sixth Sense. And then you go back and rewatch it with that knowledge. And you think to yourself, does this still hold up? Like, did they play this honestly? So I think that 
as we go forward t- talking through this chapter, we're just going to keep in mind that this is all a big setup. So everything that happens here, um, all the details were provided. This is part of their big plan. And the, what is that plan? The plan is to uh, lure Jake to the bull ring, um, which the, is where he was going. The Toro Dome and the what? What the are Toro the Toro Dome <laughs> or whatever? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he's, he's, they were trying to get him to a to a like a, yeah the, the the Pleasure Dome or the the High Lie Courts or whatever. But it's he was he was going there to meet somebody, and so this setup to lure him into an alley um, is so that the girl can then bring him to the Toro Dome, right? <laughs> which which is which is where he was going. Yes, he was so, headed there. He was asking her directions to it. Could you please? Yes. So she, so she then uh, was chased by the uh, evil cyborg with a knife hand into an alley where he then followed her. And let, yeah, so let's just talk through that. Stopping at the edge of the dark alley mouth, uh, a common way to refer to the to the entrance to an alley. Jake heard the sound of the girl crying out in pain and then hard metal scraping against stone. I won't miss again, Chiquita, came the voice of the cyborg. So first of all, uh, he heard the sound of her crying out in pain. Uh, and then the cyborg says, I won't miss again. So I guess he missed, causing her to cry out in pain. Yeah, well, look. They did not have a lot of time to rehearse. This was, okay. it was almost pure improv. It was like beats. I'm sure they had the beats written down. Sure. Like, okay, go I'll go. The the, I'll, I'll run out the door. I'll have my okay. knife hand up. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go down the mouth of the alley to which the cyborg girl replies, the mouth of the alley? <laughs> and she says, uh, yeah, look, look, never mind. They just go into the alley. So, yeah, I guess they just, the improv beats were, you know, I'm sure they would have fixed it later had Jake not entered the alley. They would have been like, sure, they were, they oh, were probably... it was so hard. I, I, Avoiding your knife hand, I scraped my shoulder against the brick wall of the alley. <laughs> they would have corrected it in improv after, but yes. Yeah, they thought they were going to have a bit more time, so they were they were going to like sit back there, um, just sort of do some some back backstage banter, uh, or and then they would lapse into like, oh, what is it? There's a cartoon or something where... Uh, they're they're going behind a wall and then they're making these noises like they're really like beating the hell out of someone. So someone is acting like they're in pain, uh, you know, as maybe at the Simpsons or a Disney cartoon or something. But that's what they were. They were going to do like, the, oh, no, please. Ah, no, right. no. Yeah, that type of thing. <laughs> and but he then, was probably telling her, like, you know, don't do the the sound effects with your mouth. Will you're not, you're not that good? Let me do that. I'm I'm right. the cyborg that can do actually mouth sounds better. So <laughs> I did have that tongue implant. Um, that's right. my ma- that's so my I could do like he had the Michael Winslow 2.0 installed. Uh, but yeah. then so uh, they um, cyborg says to her, Jake is overhearing this from the mouth of the alley. Um, he says, "Hey, there's only just three of us now." Rico probably isn't isn't in the mood anymore after the way you kicked him. So this is all, again, part of the backstory they had set up. Um, They sat back. They rehearsed this. They were like, so here's what is going to be like. You're going to have uh, already kicked Rico in the crotch. uh, So he won't be attending. Do we should we make it just three people in the first place? No, we should make it much more complicated and make you remember that there is a fourth person who you've already attacked, who is not going to be attacking you in this second part of the plan. Right. And, then, <laughs> and that's, you know, 
he told her, just let your creativity flow. How are you thinking about Rico? What do you, what, what's he look like? What's, what's right. Rico to you? Right. When uh, he enters a room, like what part of his body does he lead with? Does he lead with his chin uh, or does he sort of like lead with his knees? Just, you know, that that's how you would interact with Rico is based on how he's being built in your mind. How bouncy is his hair? Let's just, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Just think about whatever you want Rico to be and then let's do this improv. Does he use uh, impenetrably uh, weird slang like uh, toke and uh, old boy uh, to refer <laughs> to people? Um, so... Uh, so then Jake uh, bursts in the alley and uh, right away he starts uh, he starts letting you know that he's wearing boots on his feet. Um, that's important. That was my it's... my favorite thing that because every time his foot is mentioned, I believe the boot accompanies it as far as his foot is once yeah. again booted. I was so <laughs> it's not that. Yeah, it's, it's happened. We're before. on solid ground again. OK, his foot <laughs> is booted. Thank you. He did not take off his boots as he walked down after he got off the tourist bus with. What were their names? Rupert they, they from, and Marsha or something? Yeah, George, George and Marsha, the hippos from uh, James Marshall books, from Bingham to New York. That was the important thing. Yeah. Um, d- d- um, chroniclers of uh, life's uh, inequities and poverty. Yeah. But yeah, so he 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 comes out with his boots. There's no, been, never been anything notable about these boots. They're not his lucky boots. They're not the boots his father left him. They're not the boots his ex-partner was wearing when he gets killed. They're just boots. Uh, yeah. They have no special abilities. Uh, but he, he kicked out with his booted right foot, catching the knifer in the groin. Uh, Madre, he started to double up. Jake kicked again, his boot toe connecting with the cyborg's chin. <laughs> so <that's, laughs> now, um, now, look, we had a discussion last time about the cyborg thing. This still is not sitting well with me. Yeah, I, it I, should I, not be sitting well because it's <laughs> inept as hell. Because the very next sentence, his boot connecting with the cyborg's chin, the next sentence, the young man jerked completely upright. I'm still not getting this. And I know we were corrected by. Yeah, a uh, lot of people wrote in. But I don't refer to people who have small parts of their body. (laughs) My my dad had I think he had a little he had something in his heel or so. I don't know. I did right. not refer to my father as a cyborg. Yeah, it and is then, a. Uh... And then the next sentence: the old man came downstairs and made me go <laughs> cut wood, even right. though he had a small piece of metal in his heel. Like I don't. <laughs> it's just not a. I. That is not how we use this, right? In fiction, anyway. Yeah. No. Especially in 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 sci-fi. Like it's just it's it has. It's uh, it has its its definition. You know, it has it's like the when Superman died and came back, there was one Superman who was like a half uh, uh, Terminator. And that is what a cyborg is in the in the grand scheme of things. Um, yeah. If you want to be pedantic about it, that, that maybe that is your cyborg power. However, <laughs> it's, it's a weird way. It's a weird thing to use interchangeably with young man. <laughs> it very much is. And it's confusing and inept in this. And I'm calling it. I want okay. no more objections to this. This is garbage. <laughs> right. Uh, but so this is a great description. The young man jerked completely upright as though he were trying to stretch and grow taller. His left arm slapped at his side and he produced a puzzled whimpering noise in his throat. Then he began folding up first at the knees, then in the middle. He hit the ground hard, flattened out and stayed there. So I've two things. Yeah. I'd like I, I, to... have, I, I would like to uh, add an addendum to those when you're done. Okay. <laughs> So he produced a puzzled whimpering noise in his throat. And so my, my take on that was the, uh, the uh, Tim Allen home improvement noise. I think it was sort of like a, 
Mm. That's what my that was my read on that. Um, second, I, I was going to wait before you. I was that was my only comment. I wanted a contest on that because we did it last okay. time. There are many puzzled noises in many throats, um, <laughs> but they're always combined with something else, right? It's always like a right his attempt to laugh stuck in his whatever he the, right. the, the uh, winger can't he, the he all, yeah the yeah, almost laugh almost laugh, and so uh, so you did yours already. I'll do my puzzled noise. Puzzled whimpering noise in my throat. (laughs) That's all I got. And so that's what was caused by him getting kicked in the crotch was that throat noise. Um, He didn't get like punched in the neck or anything like that. But then my second my my second thing, this is a a my mental image of him uh, uh, arm slapping at his side, then folding up at the knees then in the middle, hitting the ground hard, flattening on and staying there is a uh, in Mike Tyson's punch out when little Mac. Uh, knocks out one of the big guys he fights they'll often do that they'll like jerk up in the air like neck first and then sort of do a comical like stretch out and then hit the ground uh flattened like that so that's that's what i think uh shatlart was going for um, in that it was it was it was a tribute to that to the knockout punches in that game it's funny you should mention i had that exact picture in my own head of course Um, so then we've got, uh, some more, some more of their plan, the cyborgs plan. Uh, they start, um, shooting at, at Jake and the girl, they, they, they like blast him with their flamethrower arms, a flat line of sizzling orange flame left the cyborg's arm cut across the alley and cooked a large black circle on the wall behind where Jake and the girl had been. So this is part of the setup. They were, they were planning this and they were like, so in order to get him where he's going to go. The point of him going there, again, is that we're going to kill him. We will then come very close to killing him in the alley. Right. And only by the the grace of him like jumping out of the way will we not kill him. And you, of course, the big one. I think there's <laughs> references to the big one and the closer one. He doesn't really, there's no physical. Right. But one is uh, 25 feet up on a plasrod fire escape. <laughs> <laughs> so I just that was uh that one I just want to call that back because that befuddled everyone. Um oh that was in the that was in the quiz. That was in the quiz and so many people got it wrong. <laughs> Plasrod, it's right there. Anyway. Right. Continue. Nice. So yeah. Uh but then uh so the he is he like fires through with his late las gun. He he fires through the plasrods, collapses the uh um fire escape, and then the guys like one of their like flamethrowers burns the other guy again probably all part of their plan um to hurt each other as they're luring the guy to where he was already going um but then we start getting this is this is fantastic we start getting the uh the little girl's backstory um which i I have to imagine that they again workshopped with her she says oh a toro plaza that's where they were luring him to well we live at at the toro plaza except that my father who is sort of a watchman there isn't supposed to have his family living with him. If you consider, <laughs> if you consider my stupid little brother and me as a family. So again, this is, we, we learn later that this is a robot. The girl is a robot. She's um, like the, she's like the girl on small wonder. Um, she's not a kamikaze robot. Uh, we know that those exist and that you can easily kill somebody by just sending a robot who looks convincingly like a real person to go and explode. They've opted not to do that. Oh, you uh, also, I would point out, you would have a ring that you touch someone's neck and they could also just pass out yes, and right, then yeah. you stomp on their neck with your booted foot <laughs> and they're dead or you just kill them whatever, right. I, you know, with their flamethrower, however you, you want to do it. Either, but if you did either one of those, 
you couldn't get them to the place they were already going <laughs> where you could true. then kill them. So <laughs> that's I mean, true. you see the flaw in either of those plans. They, they might sound easy, but you know, um, but yeah, so she, her backstory is that, uh, her father is a night watchman at the Toro Plaza and isn't supposed to have his family living with them, which is a very funny thing to imagine. I love it. Uh, uh, <laughs> But then so she she says, once in a while, my father gets involved in things that are shady. Then he'll tell me and Janeiro, that's my stupid little brother, to go away for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so they named the brother. Uh, she three times calls him her stupid little brother, um, which I guess is just in, in, in these in these bad guys mind. This is how little kids talk about their younger siblings, I guess. Well, who ultimately programmed Strella, which is her name? Strella, Strella yes. is the small wonder who is fantastic, made of plastic. <laughs> um, the other thing, there's a couple swears coming up, so if you want to cover your ears, uh, earmuffs for little kids in the room. Sure. Here, here's a line from Strella. Uh, no, a son of a bitch who calls himself Sombra. He usually has two or three other assholes who work with him on his jobs. And that's what made me wonder, is Strella like, wait a minute, Strella, come on. Yeah. You're supposed to be no more than 13. What What was the age? It was. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was definitely, it might have even been younger than that. But yeah, it was one of those vague, yeah, no more than 13. Strella, come on, stop <laughs> improvising. Stick with the plan. Your stupid well, little brother, your dumb dad. Right. Well, you know, her her father obviously is not a uh, he's not much of a father, she says. Um, so that might be the, the the lack of parental supervision or lack of parental, uh, um, you know, role model. It might be the reason she's talking like a uh, like a bouncer at a strip club as a 13 <laughs> yes. year old girl. Um, but uh, so her father, uh, I guess Jake was asking about um, what they were going to do during the setup, I guess. Or maybe this was talking about the the fat guy, but she said her father said that something about using a stunner and keeping the man out of sight for a few days. So that's her talking about the plan to lure Jake there, stun him, keep him out of sight for a few days, which is the plan she's still helping to put into place by luring him to the place he was already going. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So she's. So this is, I guess, her telling the truth, but he's, he doesn't, you know, she's having a little fun here. She's, she's like, like when you're setting up a surprise party for someone and you're like, sort of like lying to their face, but you know, it's going to be all revealed again in in 30 minutes, like when everyone says surprise, but you're being like, oh, it's, it's, it's too bad that, you know, your brother couldn't make it like his, you know, his flight got delayed type of thing, knowing full well that that's going to be what actually happens. Yeah. You have to have a little of verisimilitude in it stirred in with all the other lies about like, I'm, I'm actually a robot and stuff like that to make him even you know, go along with it at all. Right. It's like I've told you about my inability to go see someone's play or some kid's play Mm -hmm. without, and then having to meet them afterwards. (laughs) When I'm trying to lie to them, my face contorts horribly (laughs) into a, into a gruesome sneer as I lie. So I, as I'm sitting there watching a play, I will sit and go, what is it about this that I actually do like? What right. do I, and then when I go up, I can just lead with it and my face uh-huh. will tell the truth and I can, you know, <laughs> so maybe that's what she's doing. Like she's just telling a little bit of uh, a little bit of truth so that she can right. get that through this thing. Grounds the rest of the lie. Wow. Yeah. So don't invite Mike to your dance recitals and children's <laughs> plays, everybody. That is a, uh, unless you want to see that expression. I'm curious about it myself. Actually, do you shrug one shoulder as you're lying like that? <laughs> I do. Only <laughs> one. That's my tell. <laughs> 
Uh, but then, so yeah, she leads him to the Toro uh, Toro Dome and uh, the Toro Plaza, and she she lends, um, gets him through the door. Here is Gate X, an old service entrance. Stopping the girl, pressed the palm of her right hand to the recog panel at the side of the wide plaz glass door. My father rigged this so it'll let me and my stupid little brother in. So <laughs> I want to. I was like, how before you really knew that this was a setup? How awful is this kid that she's like, you know that. <laughs> That this is the uh, she lives in this horrible setting, horrible poverty. But this is what stands out about her situation as being unbearable. Her stupid little brother here. That that exact moment, I had this line about it. The uh, so it was after a few seconds, it slid oh, yeah. away to the right, and I just wondered, <laughs> did that start another? Like during those few seconds, was it like so? Um, Strella, yeah, <laughs> right. you uh, you like your your classes? Oh, the door slid open. Okay, it's been a few <laughs> seconds, but right. I just imagine just long enough to be kind of uncomfortable with a uh, a girl who's almost twelve or whatever. Right, exactly. Uh, your father, he's um. How many other watchmen are there? Do they have? <laughs> probably got to be at least three shifts. Come on, open up. Slide yeah. to the right. Slide <laughs> to the goddamn right. The rope and button like an elevator. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just sort of like glancing around being like, yeah, there's a lot of like shady and illegal stuff going down here in Mexico. I hope no one thinks that I'm doing anything weird here as I'm parading through these back alleys with this uh, <laughs> 13-year-old girl who might be a robot or... Right. Uh, hey, uh, quick quiz before we... Because uh, this is towards the end of the chapter, right? Yeah. I passed this over. He When he went into... The building itself, as they're going into that back entrance or whatever to the Toro build, whatever. Uh, he smelled damp earth and death. Mm-hmm. Little quick quiz for you: What other things in Tech War smell like damp earth? Oh man! Do you remember that phrase? If anyone's no. out there listening, don't cheat. Don't look okay. it up. Don't word search it. Damp uh, earth. I'll give you two seconds, and then I'll say the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it the, uh, the place, the Mexican cafe he went into after the earthquake? Oh, so close. The Mexican federal police building. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. <laughs> smelled yes. like <laughs> where he met the other crusty <laughs> cat of the yeah. 14 crusty captains he's Probably run into. Or something. Uh, right. Rats. Oh yeah. And then here's another, uh, before we close out this chapter, the, one of the cyborgs says, to Jake, you sh- as he, I'm sure he kicks him with a booted foot or whatever. The cyborg says, "You shouldn't have done that." Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, is, so they were programmed with terrible <laughs> grammar, I guess. Yes. They, uh, they 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 say for all intensive purposes, they just have that uh, <laughs> that feature yeah. built in to sort of make him make him more conversational. Hey, <laughs> that's a mute point, buddy. Uh, yeah, all of that stuff. You don't want your uh, you don't want your robots to be you know it'd be uncanny valley if they didn't make a few slip ups with their grammar every now and then. It would that's, be too. Uh, that's true, and they are. I guess they're ESL twos. You know, probably. <laughs> so yeah, that's... I did. I did have to Google that one just because I was like, all right, I don't know, I don't want to be pedantic about this, but that is. That that is not the correct grammar. It sounds like uh, the way that you you would say shouldn't have or shouldn't have, um, but uh, yeah, they, yeah, it sounds like it, but it's not. It's just <laughs> not. So I just wondered: is that once again, are we giving too much credit if we think that that was like a joke or a? We are. I think we are giving right? too much credit. Okay. Yes. That was Thank my you. yes. That was my decision. <laughs> um, but yeah. So they they the chapter ends with uh, him. Uh, he takes a step over the threshold when the girl gave him a surprisingly powerful shove in the back. 
So again, she probably could have snapped his neck at any given time. Uh, he went staggering forward, nearly losing his balance. He spun around just in time to see the door snap shut on him. So it didn't take a few seconds this time. Well, he observed, this was a setup after all. <laughs> so when, so when you take the, it's like that Andy Rooney game. You take the first and last line of Andy Rooney's yeah. speeches. You take the last line of the last chapter and then the, the last line of this chapter. It makes a nice little, uh, a nice uh, little package. Yep, so good. I was digging <laughs> through my desk the other day. And that's why the Nazis should probably not have gotten away with what they did. Um, yeah, so that's the end of that chapter. I think we can go right into chapter 24 before we uh before we break for some fanfic, but uh the the the, the whole setup was worth it cuz now they've got this very complicated sort of bond villainy scheme uh to 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 kill him, I guess. Yeah, There's well, yeah. I, I mean, I, on, this is in chapter in chapter twenty three is one of my favorite and most confounding chapters in this book, <laughs> which we will uh, we'll get into. But yes, wait, so, wait, chapter twenty five or chapter twenty four? No, chapter just twenty three. That's what we're oh, in. Oh, I'm sorry, right? I labeled. I had this one labeled as twenty three. You're right. Yeah, Go yeah, ahead. yep. This is chapter twenty three. This is the bull, okay. the yes, the bull yes. chapter. Got it. Um, once again, very specific time periods. Uh, Jake noticed the bulls. This is, I think, the first sentence, I think. Yeah, Jake noticed the bulls. Uh, About 10 seconds after he discovered that he no longer had his last gun. (laughs) So, again, we won't go through this uh, exercise again, but just count it off yourself. He notices that he doesn't have it, and then about 10 seconds. Right. And then uh, nine, eleven, either one of them. But you know, yeah. So he's locked. He's locked in a room with mechanical bulls. And as the book makes abundantly clear, that is the only notable feature of this room. It goes to great lengths to describe how there's nothing else in this room in terms of escape routes, <laughs> windows. But there are four me- giant mechanical bulls, which it takes him about ten seconds to notice. Yeah. Um, and by the way, there's another specific period of time. He says they're dormant turned off. Jake said to himself after watching them for a few more seconds. <laughs> I really like that part because I like that he, he sort of did the, uh, the, the oops, my bad. That's my scenario thing we mentioned earlier. They're dormant torn, turned off, you know, thanks for the clarification myself. <laughs> right. I just, I wanted to make sure everyone that I knew what that meant to the reader, but also myself, since I'm saying it aloud. Hey, me, just save a few words next time and just tell me this. <laughs> right. um, but this brings me to a, a very interesting thing. Because this chapter is so interesting, I once again went to my uh, my friends who had oh. worked on the, the audio book. <laughs> and uh, I came up with a real gem. Because I was puzzled by this. Maybe you noticed this in this uh, chapter, is that Jake... He's alone in a room okay. with because the girl put the robot pushes him in, yeah, right? locks the door. Strella, Strella, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's in with the bulls, which he he'll describe in this chapter. But during this whole chapter, he talks to himself a lot. Did that jump out at you? Of course it did. It's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. It's insane. I mean, he has done it before, like in his room as he's getting dressed. But like now, he's in a. You know, he's he's in a life or death situation and he's still like wasting his mental capacities to to spout nonsense. So I, I wrote down and I put it together in sort of an actor's monologue. I'll just read, <laughs> read the first few and then I'll cut to uh, to how they handle it in the audio on the audible book because it's so oh, wow. it's awesome. so puzzling. So uh, okay, great. I'm, I'm eager to hear it. I don't remember who is uh, 
Well, look, we'll we'll get to the uh, who rescues him later, but okay. um, here's part of the monologue. They're dormant, turned off. Getting out of here is going to be tough, especially without my gun. Could be there's a way <laughs> out of here at the other end. Oops. Pretty obvious stuff. Black smoke. And it goes on like that. <laughs> so anyway, here's uh here's how they solved it in uh in the audible book. And I'll uh and it does it there's a bit of a spoiler at the end, but oh. uh, it, it'll be worth it. Trust okay. me. Trust me. Here we go. Jake noticed the bulls about ten seconds after he discovered he no longer had his Laz gun. They're dormant, turned off. Getting out of here is going to be tough, especially without my gun. Could be there's a way out of here down at the other end of... Oops! Pretty obvious stuff. Black smoke, flashing eyes... Jake? Oh, hey, Beth. What the hell are you doing? Oh, I'm just trying to dodge these robot bulls. No, I see that. I meant, what are you saying to yourself? You knew you were alone in here, right? Oh, that. Oh, I was just saying, among other things, oops to myself out loud while fighting robot bulls. Don't you do that? No. Oh, well, sure. I suppose cyborgs don't talk. I'm not a cyborg. I'm an Andy. Do you see a knife hand on me? Jake said to himself, Jake, old buddy, have you seen a knife hand on her? Anywhere near her dark hair or long legs? See, there it is. Stop that. Sorry, but I bet Strella, the completely human, no more than 13 girl, does it too. She's an android too, you moron. (laughs) Sure. Next you're going to tell me Winger's an android or the sombrero wearing taxi driver's one or that the kamikaze android of Dr. Dannenberg was an android. They are. You know they are. Jake said to himself, This Beth cyborg is hot. I mean, like, ah, hot, but she's about as bright as the vaudeville comedy act, the Boxing Gordon Sisters. No card again! There, does that, I mean... Wow. That, yeah. Yeah, I mean... The, again, they're always, they're adding clarity, which I appreciate, because it's, It does, that's it's why weird. you, that's why they're the masters of what they do. I mean, you know, they, 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 they take this, they work with it, um, and they, they turn it into something that's, that's better than the printed word. I think that's why audiobooks are growing in popularity. Exactly, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm stunned that this, uh, hasn't come out. Um, but they'll, they'll give me a release date when it does, but anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why don't, let's, uh, let me, let me plug something for a minute there. Uh, we have a, the Audible is putting out a, uh audiobook version of my book, The Pole Vault Championship of the Entire Universe, uh, and you are playing uh, one of the two main characters. Yeah, but don't bury the lead. This is your book. This is exciting yeah. stuff. I'm, I'm it is lo- exciting stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's coming out, I think, well, by the time you hear this, it'll be out in like a month. It comes out on January 20th, uh, audible.com slash pole vault, and the cast is really, 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 really awesome. It's got Kevin and Bill are in it from Rift Tracks, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, uh, uh, Eliza Skinner, uh, John DiMaggio, a.k.a. Bender from Futurama, Sashir Zamata from Saturday Night Live, Janet Varney, our good friend from Rift Tracks. Uh, brother, I'm probably forgetting some people, but it's very... Oh, Weird Al Yankovic is in it. Our good friend from Rift Tracks, yeah. Rift Tracks, yeah. So uh, I will I will be plugging that again. But, uh, you know, you listen to these uh, Tech War audiobooks, you see what a great job they've been doing. They, they, they capture... Um, just so many, so many nuances that you miss when you read it. So I'm looking forward to them giving the treatment to this. We can, uh, I don't know, maybe we can leak a scene from that at some point in time. Oh, that'll be fun. Another yeah. leak. God, <laughs> I love the leaks. Nice. So good. Uh, 
But uh, yeah, so the uh, the, the um, bulls are attacking him as he's as he's mumbling to himself, and the bulls are pretty much um, cartoon bulls. Like the the way that they introduced them is they start powering up, and the crimson one had given an angry snort, blackish smoke spewing out of his nostrils. His eyes were alive now, glowing a dazzling yellow, and with his right front hoof, he was pawing at the floor. Pretty obvious stuff, commented Jake. Um, so that's another one where I, I guess they're they're self-aware at this point in time. Like I, they, they go on to say that, like, sure, the audience would want to see bulls behave like they would in a in a movie or a, or a cartoon. Um, but the. Uh, yeah. What did what did Jake is Jake so cynical? What happened to you up in the freezer, man? <laughs> you wanted to see uh, like, oh, these people want to see bulls behaving like bulls. <laughs> right. Things have changed since I used to want to have bulls. uh you know, put on a little uh, dress, do a little hula dance, and right. then kill me. Like, what is he? What's he asking for? Obvious and it, stuff. And again, this is not something that he's previously aware of. I mean, certainly in, in this world, this would be something that people would be well aware of. Is like mechanical representations of animals behaving like they would in a uh, in a Warner Brothers cartoon. But this is just something that he's evidently encountering for the first time. Imagine um, him going through uh, Disneyland or Disney World, and you know, just on the rides and stuff like. Right. Oh, pirates! Uh, digging <laughs> up treasure and saying our pretty obvious stuff. <laughs> right? Can we? Uh, anyone want to switch seats on this ride? This yeah. guy next to me is a pretty big jerk. <laughs> His booted foot is also <laughs> ramming into mine. Right. Oh, Goofy's taking a picture with an adorable kid wearing mouse ears. Pretty obvious stuff. <laughs> Oh, but, but this, the end of chapter twenty-three, which is short, I'm sure you had the same reaction that I did. Globo, baby. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. He's so, back. He's rescued, as we heard uh, in the in the excerpt, by by Android Beth. Yes. Um, and then she, she comes, and evidently what had happened was that Globo had sold him out. After setting up, again, this is so much more convoluted than it needed to be. Globo had had told him to go to this place, right? Yeah. To, to, to the Toro Dome. But... This was, but then he then he he set him up, but he told him to go there. Jake went there thinking it could be a setup, but now Globo is like sweating and everything because it was a setup. Wait, Globo is sweating? <laughs> it's just, I have so, I have all of his sweating written down. I'm very okay. excited to read that. <laughs> so yeah, I think that was the first one. Uh, read the first one, I guess. I've got the first one marked. I think, but uh, the fat man wiped at his perspiring forehead. Okay. That yeah, that was uh, that was right after I guess said the fat globo. Oh yes, okay. Which is like you know that's a you know that's like a first grader like insulting a, a kid on the playground. The fat globo. We so, there's only one globo in the book. You went right. out of your way to describe him as fat. Right. I think we're all on board. Right. Um, but yeah. So I mean, my takeaway was that I guess I think we're supposed to admire globo. Uh, maybe find him attractive after these these descriptions of him just pouring sweat and dabbing at his uh, forehead with his gross handkerchief that he keeps on him at all times. The fat man mumbled something inaudible. These are just all the descriptions of Globo and the thing. If I've missed any, let me know. Globo concentrated on his fat fingers as they poked and pressed at the damp handkerchief. <laughs> Globo gave his forehead another nervous swipe, starting to wad up his handkerchief. He used the handkerchief again on his sweating forehead. Oh my god! And then, can I give away the? Uh, can I give yeah, away yeah. the end? 
Jake borrowed Beth's stun gun from her, turned, and used it on the fat man. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Jake and the fat man in the same sentence. Yes. Wow, that's oh, impressive. Coincidence? Yeah. <laughs> I hardly think so. Yeah, yeah he could have uh, – Goulard could have done some novelizations of that TV show. But yeah, so like my – I think that the Globo is probably – you know how like uh, when actors have like um, you know earned enough capital in Hollywood that they can like – call in favors and get their dream role made. Yeah. You know, like, like Jim Carrey was like, you know, you know, I've done all these dumb movies, but my dream has been to play Andy Kaufman. That's the role I want to do. And so I'm going to, I'm going to get this movie done. I'm sure there's countless other examples. I feel like Globo has got to be that type of role for someone out there. You know, they're like, you know, I've, I've, I've paid my dues. You know, I finally got an Academy Award nomination and now I, I want to play the sweating fat man. Yeah. Um, so I, I need to, I, I, I'm calling in the producers. We're going to make it happen. I'm a I'm an uh, offer only actor, and uh, you, you don't come to me until you bring this script. Uh, maybe it's <laughs> yeah. that uh, you've heard the rumors about um, uh, oh what oh the Confederacy of Dunces. You know how that was passed around. Yep, everyone's uh, passion project and right, sort of a right. doomed script. Yeah, and it gets uh, somebody's going to play it now. I mean, that's literally been like. <laughs> 35 yeah. years of it's insane yeah globo was the same way yeah. <laughs> it's like uh you know george clooney is like yeah well for every for every oceans 13 i make that means i can make uh you know a, a syriana type of thing so that's yep. globo is i'm sure is going to be his next uh his next uh passion project so yeah that takes us to the end of chapter 23 um, and I think before we get to 24, it's probably a good idea to read some fanfic. Yeah, fresh from my triumph, I would point out. <laughs> it's been a uh, it's been like a feast or famine kind of season for you um, in terms of. Uh, these well, identification. Well, let's concentrate on the feast because that's the <laughs> thing that's we're closest to. Sure, uh, sure. There was a commenter on our Patreon who asked me about my uh, pencil choice again oh. as he took the uh, the Plaz quiz because of my enormous success from uh, from last episode. So um, yeah, uh, it's a Dixon Ticonderoga number two, which I re- realize now I don't have with me. Oh uh, well, oh, well, no. well. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We'll see. Hey, maybe, uh, you know, the, the fanfic identification was in you all along. The pencil wasn't magic at all. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. Well, we got five again. Um, uh, people have sent in their fan fiction of Tech War, and uh, they've people have really latched on to some, some key, key Shatlardian ingredients to make these as convincing as possible. So any of them could be real. None of them could be real. There could be a mix. So we're going to see if Mike can identify which ones are real and which ones are fanfic. Number one. All right. Hey, they told me there was a malfunctioning robot up here, senor. With a slight limp, Gomez made his way into the living room of the suite. You've been misinformed. There's no malfunctioning robot here. Ah, but there's where you're wrong, amigo. Smiling, Gomez reached up to touch the mechanical man's silvery neck. A harsh buzzing sound came from something concealed in his hand. (laughs) Winger's eyelids started blinking in double time. You used a disabler on me. That's most illegal. Both hands dropped heavily to his side, his eyes clicked shut, and he ceased to function. Oh, my goodness. Um, The return of two favorites. Yeah, I, uh, man, I have, as God is my witness, have not looked ahead to see if a winger's in it. And so I am (laughs) 
I'm excited to guess on that one. All right, All right. carry on. We have, we have 80, 90 pages left in the book at this point in time, so keep that in mind, too. Uh, number two, Jake gripped the plasdisc tightly in his left hand, cradling it with his right. The projected hollow image of his son had held his attention for a full minute. Beth placed her slender arm around his shoulder, brushing her dark hair from her shoulder with the other. Bennett Sands is Sonny Hakori, announced Jake, and he has my son. <laughs> ah. mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, carry uh, on. Number three. Fingering his las gun, Jake paced. The lanky young man stood with his body crookedly resting against the counter. Why haven't you asked where mom is? Jake felt himself make a face. I just saw your mom. Dan rolled his eyes far up into his head. You came here hanging with a droid, and you thought that was mom? Wow. So, sorry, I was making notes there. I was off my... <laughs> um, okay, so he felt himself... Just read that one sentence again. <laughs> Jake felt himself make a face. Okay. I just saw your mom. All right, okay. Carry on. Number four. In his stifling prison cell, Globo attempted to staunch the flow of perspiration pouring from his bulbous and amply proportioned head with a <laughs> handkerchief, which was not up to the task. Gracias, uh, mi amigo. My very life I owe to you. De nada, replied Jake as he sat down across from his rotund and damp companion. <laughs> Warbride may be a fanatic, but she's not stupid. She knows with your connections to Bennett Sands, you're more valuable to her alive than dead. Let us hope you are right, returned the corpulent prisoner, and that I have not just leapt from the flying frying pan into El Infierno. <laughs> uh, I like that one a lot. Uh, number five, last one. Okay. Jake, Jake came into a dingy back room. Standing next to a pile of broken plaz tiles, he saw a tall cyborg. <laughs> Beth stunned me again, said Jake. Several seconds later, the cyborg responded. You guessed it, bucko. You should know better than to trust women especially one that beautiful. <laughs> All right. I got some good ones. All right. That's very good. I have my answers. You ready? Yep. Let's hit me. This is, uh, this is risky because again, don't have the pencil. Dixon yeah. Ticonderoga built in an excuse. That was a, a straight, that was a, a good move on your part. Oh, yeah. come on. Oh, I'm hitting the microphone as I try to check my pen. Oh, it's a, uh, it's um, a red Marriott hotel pen. <laughs> so here we go. Oh, wow. That is, yeah, there's a bad luck I've ever heard of. <laughs> I'm going to go number one is real and two through five are fanfic. Wow. He did it. No perfect, way. Perfect. Wow. Yep. The only oh. real one was the return of Winger. Man. <laughs> I, there were, there was a couple ones there that like I, you know, that I wanted to be real. I thought that Bennett Sands is Sonny Hikori and he has my son is a great. Oh, it's so fan, good. I, it, fantastic yes, twist. Yes. And the descriptions of Globo were, uh, you know, a, a little over the top, but very funny. I mean, uh, barely over the top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you read what I just read about him. In the, it's, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, well done, everybody. So that was uh, Nick did the Bennett Sands is Sonny Hikori. Kara Storm did. Uh, you were hanging with a droid and you thought that was mom. Tom did the uh, the staunch the flow of perspiration from his bulbous <laughs> and amply proportioned head. And Daniel did, uh, you guessed it, bucko, you should know better than to trust women. So congratulations, everybody. You, you didn't fool them, but they were, they were all well done. They were very good. But, you know, as you learn and adapt, so do I. <laughs> Am I a cyborg? I don't know. I have a saw hand. Does that count? No, hand... What saw hand? What is knife it? Hand? Knife, knife hand. Knife hand. All hand. Yep. 
Oh uh, uh, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get back into the story, or you know what what passes for one here. We're at chapter twenty four. He's been rescued from the bulls, and uh, we start off with another another heck of a way to start a sentence uh, to start a chapter. The robot madam greeted Jake warmly. <laughs> yes. She was uh, so they've got a you've got a, a Shatlart signature combo in this introduction of the robot madam. Uh, she was we got a, we got a fake word and we got a plump. She was mm-hmm. tall and wide with an ample chrome-plated bosom showing beneath her shimmering glow-gold dress. Been one hell of a long time, Jake, honey, she boomed as she gave him another enthusiastic hug. Her plump cho- chrome cheeks were decorated with glimmering gems. Yeah, I I stopped. The glow-gold actually drained the life out of me. I said I no <laughs> longer have the ability. I would write all of them down at the beginning of the chapter. And yeah. I just stopped. I'm like, look, I don't even know what to yeah. do anymore. They they have come fast and furious, and it's hard to keep track of them all once you, you know. But th- that one still stood out of me despite that fact. But uh, so yeah, so he's he's here. They don't really explain why he's at the. Oh, I guess he's tracking down the writer Ogden, who's here to do a piece on uh, the writer her, who. I'm sorry, Ogden Spy. <laughs> <laughs> Ogden Spires, God damn it. Uh, I love it. Uh, I didn't even notice. I well, I hope I never meet a one in real life because that would be very embarrassing. He's, yeah, uh, the, the actually we're uh, selling uh, to a VC group riff track to a guy <laughs> named Ogden. So, uh, so people trouble. wrote in. They they people mentioned that uh, a short we did at one of our live shows was Custard the Dragon, written by Ogden Nash. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's that why you knew Ogden about. Nash. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the madam is uh, is um, sort of giving him a tour of the uh, brothel, I guess it is. And it's sort of like, you know, you go there for Andy hookers, but there's also screens where you can watch the people having these encounters. So it's a, a weird sort of mishmash of like a casino um, sports book and a and a. Um, brothel. She's showing him uh, that sort of sports book type area where you can watch the screens. The the black GLA reporter was up on the second level, walking slowly along and muttering into the recorder mic in his hand. Something like 30 customers were enjoying the screens on the four tiers. Yeah. I, I was very confused by what, well, what were they doing out there, right? Because they were like, they're, they're, the screens are all set up along this hallway. Mm-hmm. But it's supposed to be kind of an old timey. I mean, you know, Andy yeah. Hookers. This is a, old. Well, they say whorehouse Andy Hookers. Yeah. I mean, this is just Wild West type of. Uh, yeah, but her like, name uh, then old. she's Mama Reina. Reina or Riena? Is she supposed to be? I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's like Mama Queen. Um, but yeah, so she's like, I think she's just yeah, your classic sort of like you know hooker with a heart of gold type of thing. Um, but she's, she's also a, 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 like very blatant racist as we came. Oh boy. Yeah. I I hope you have it written down. I do too. (laughs) (laughs) This was a passage that we, I tried to, tried to fool you with his fanfic and it may have, I'm not sure it was so over the top, but, uh, Hey, chop suey shouted mama (laughs) Reina at a Chinese tourist who was aiming his camera at a row of view screens. You were supposed to check your goddamn camera. So that's a uh, that's a delightful passage. Um, but we yeah, we talked about how that was sort of like a, an 80s trope was that the Asian tourists would always be taking pictures of stuff. And that's uh, on full display here. And it and it goes on. I oh, would, it does. I, yes, absolutely. I would like to say and I would uh, again, this is the the words of Shatlart. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to read them. The right. this podcast does not in any way endorse them. 
And uh, I don't think I need to warn you anymore. You probably know. So she says, uh, no pictures allowed in here. Hand it over pronto. And then a couple sentences later, no pictures, you dinks. <laughs> she announced to the rest of the voyeurs. And then uh, she puts him down, right? Yeah. A thin, crackling beam of greenish light shot out of the tip of the metal finger, hitting the Chinese square (laughs) in the forehead. Uh, I don't think we have used that term anymore. Mama, Mama Reina, please. Right, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, we we draw the line here. We're watching people have zero-gravity mud sex, but this is not, uh, we cannot abide this. But uh, his his last moments, I guess, I think he's just stunned, but he gasped because she catches him. He gasped, teetered for about nine seconds. And then came falling down toward the floor, and this is you know it's the like you like you said is he is he is he messing with us at this point in time? If he is, it's a very you know very like it's like one of those online video, like anti comedy videos where it's it's so playing it's so straight laced that you're like I guess this is probably a joke, but I'm just not seeing what the point of it is. Yeah, is it towards the end of the book is it going to get funny you know or something's not funny it's anti-comedy but then you do it long enough but i don't i don't even see the handle in on this one i don't know (laughs) how it's gonna work yeah um so yeah i i in the context of that like i thought no pictures you dinks was funny but now it sounds kind of like unfortunate when you say it in the rest of the context of the uh chinese stuff i don't i'm not sure if that was supposed to be intentional i believe it is a slang i will uh yeah Okay. I believe it is an old, an old timey slang. I don't think anybody okay. here will be offended because nobody uses. I mean, it's not a thing. So, but it no, is, it's, but, it sounds like a you know, you know, you know, like you, you idiots. Like I don't, you know, I don't think it's specifically targeting. I don't think it's a whole group of. Uh, it is. Uh, it okay. Is. Oh, it's just right. old. Is all. All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, you know, it's always yeah. It's it's a fine line with those, but this is a. Uh, it's a fine line. <laughs> uh, but then, so they, they take a look at what people are watching on the thing. And so I guess people are just fine going into these rooms with these uh, Andy hookers, knowing that their buddies or whoever's going to be watching them on these monitors. You think that would discourage people. But I suppose once you've crossed this line, there's just uh, you just don't care about things the same way that a, a normal person would. But on screen 42, there is an overweight pudgy man of nearly yeah. 50 enjoying free fall sex with two silver plated nymphed androids. Screen 43 shows us a fat middle-aged lady being tied to a pain bed by a naked male android wearing a sombrero. What is going on? Why are all these people overweight, pudgy, plump, or fat? He's got some hang-ups. Either (laughs) Shatner or Goulart does, but maybe it is just Shatlart all down the line. I don't know. Because this would have been the era of, like, you know, like uh, Star Trek V when, you know, Kirk was sort of like, you know, girdling his way into his uniform type of thing too. So it's not like it's a, you know, it's not like a a strapping guy at this point in time. Well, here's, let me step back and ask this question. So there are the, uh, uh, what do you call them? The, uh, the suicide robots, right? The, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. What kamikazes? The kamikazes. Yeah. They're like kamikaze pilots. What do we call? Yeah. Yeah. So those are very realistic, right? Because they can walk up to you. You would, you know, that he was supposed to meet that doctor or whatever. That was the kamikaze robot we heard from, right? Okay. Pump doctor. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just trying to work this out. Then the, uh, we're, we learn that Kitteridge and Beth, and we see Beth, and she's obviously nearly, except for that little flap under her breast. <laughs> but no, she's as human as you can be. Correct? Yes. Okay. 
So now there's silver-plated nymphit androids, <laughs> and there's the plump chrome-cheeked, and there's Winger with his chrome, and he has chrome eyelids. What is going on? Why are people preferring this when it's right. obvious that <laughs> there are people who can pass for any kind of human you want? Are Again, why, a I joke? Mean, well, or yeah. what? What? Why? Why are you going to a an Andy whorehouse? And then there's a plump, uh, chrome-plated woman. And I, I don't mean to, you know, diss your preference. Whatever you like, yeah. man. I'm just saying, I think he's confused about his own world and his world building. That uh, if there are very realistic, <laughs> super hot women available, I, I just don't, I, I don't know. Do you and know? I would, uh, I, well, well, yeah, I know. I totally understand where you're coming from. I would, however, um, you know, direct you to the entire internet as a rebuttal. <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> but, but no, I'm just trying to work out what... Body pillows. Who's doing what. Rigs where? mounted in minions. <laughs> inflatable cows. You know, all these things I are... I know, uh, I know, I know. But <laughs> but apparently, okay, so the chrome... So we're just going with the fact that covering yourself in chrome is an erotic thing in, in Jake's be, future. My, my, uh, I mean, I would assume that maybe getting these super realistic ones are more expensive than like, you know, the, the sort of bare skeleton chrome type of thing. I don't know, but you know, chrome is not like a inexpensive material either. So anyway, yeah. it, all right. So. It's, it's like he was making it up as he went along. Um, <laughs> I, I bet they sorted out in tech kill. That's probably where it all, uh, <laughs> it all. <laughs> he does a lot of does a lot of spade work and just like look I know I glossed over a few things but right. settle down for fifteen chapters as I tie it all together. Yeah. It's the opposite bow. of lost. He really did have that vision the whole yeah. way through. Right. Um, but then it goes on. Ogden Swires is taking. I'm not even going to pretend. Uh, Swires <laughs> is taking Swires. notes. He's he's Swires watched another of the screens for a few seconds. I never found fat women that attractive. And two fat naked androids don't do anything. Andy's don't do anything for me. I was like, he's like, he's like Travis Bickle. He's like sitting in a cab being like, uh, someday a plump rain is going to come and wash all these plump people into the plump sewers. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, um, thought, I thought that maybe he was protesting too much. Uh, he, he goes, he, right. you know, using two sentences to talk about how much, <laughs> can you believe right. this? I'm right. not, <laughs> I'm not turned on by two fat and he's doing it in the mud. Right. Am I right guys? <laughs> the, the service person from the, uh, from the casino calls your, uh, room is ready. Mr. Swires with the, uh, the plumpest android. Do we have He's like, <laughs> not, <laughs> different Swires from a reporter from a different vaccine is uh, who you were. Okay. So finally, this, I believe, was the sentence that you, you I think you got me on a uh, previous uh, fanfic with the thing about yeah. it might be that Vargas, despite his yeah. closeness to your old friend Warbride, is linked up with someone else, <laughs> such as Sonny Hakori or one of the other techies. <laughs> yes, or possibly even Ben and Sands. Yeah, my note was, we already covered this, but let's just marvel in its ineptness one more time. Oh, oh I still laughed at it, even knowing that I had, I had been fooled by it before. <laughs> Four people that we have not met, but have been discussed ad nauseum. And like... You know, you, I guess in a, you know, in a movie or whatever, you can't immediately jump ahead to the to the characters. That's why you, you tell a story, you build towards meeting someone. You know, it wouldn't be the Wizard of Oz if you weren't talking about him before you got there. But man, 
But this is this is making spreading it a little thin over these characters. <laughs> if this were, you know, uh, yeah, like you say, Wizard of Oz, name anything, you know, Sauron. Eventually, we're gonna meet sure. Sauron. Sure, he's gonna yes. come down from the tower, and we're gonna have a. But uh, yeah, these are just a, like Vargas. I honestly don't know who Vargas is. <laughs> I don't remember who Vargas is. I, yeah, do you? And, you know, Who's and you Vargas? Have to. I believe that he. So Vargas, Warbrides right-hand man not her generals we meet them later so a different right-hand man it's been intimated that he's been jealous of jake because he used to have a relationship with Warbride. and vargas is the guy who ordered the fat globo to set jake up by telling jake to go to some place where he would then be set up by bringing him to the place he was already going to <laughs> okay. so and, yeah there you go and bennett sands is just He's just, he's just like a company owner that his wife was having an affair with, right? We should have we should have done a telephone game of this. Describe who Bennett Sands is in every one of these episodes, because I think it would have just changed, just like it, it would have grown it, unrecognizable from what it initially was. I think Bennett Sands was a guy who was an investor or partner of Doctor Kitteridge. Um, and he was also <laughs> someone who employed Jake's wife. <laughs> and then Warbride, she, Warbride, he had an affair with Warbride. Or they worked together or did something? They, I d- yeah, it's it's another weird sort of running heavy air quote joke is that people are like, yeah, your ex-war bride. And Jake's like, we were we were never that serious. It's like that type of thing. Um, so we're, we're we have no um, sense of what really happened there because it's sort of been played being played for a laugh. But so she's his ex. And Sonny Hikori is a tech kingpin that Jake was trying to set up. I was trying to take down um, who then they think may have like tried to crash the Kitteridge's plane because they were developing the anti-tech. Ah, okay. Right. Sure. And need I remind you, there are 80 pages left in the book and we have not met a single one of these four characters. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, uh, this, this chapter contains one of my favorite. Uh, I'm, I'm probably, maybe I'm rushing ahead, but I, this is not going to spoil anything is that uh, what's her name? Uh, um, Beth, I think, asked mm. this of uh, Jake. How old were you when your mother died? His <laughs> response, I forget, he said. <laughs> Around 16 or 17, which reminded me of, uh, what's the uh, the video game movie where they... Uh, Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Remember when our parents died? Uh, you know, what? Give me more detail. Yeah. I'm not really... I, yeah, <laughs> you know what? You know what? I do. I, yeah. Now that you bring it up, I do remember that. <laughs> How old were you? I forget. <laughs> yeah, right. He's, and, and then he goes on to clearly talk about his like uh, his sort of broken home and troubled childhood. So he would. It was very clearly a turning point that he would remember exactly where he was when it happened. Yes. Um, uh, this was Beth. The in case you were wondering which Beth, it was the dark-haired woman. <laughs> she brings up again seven hundred times. It is so bizarre. <laughs> uh, I liked, uh, I don't remember who was, I think Beth was asking this. She says, but you trust Swires? And Jake says, a lot more than I trust people like Globo. <laughs> people like Globo. So other sweating fat guys, I yeah. suppose, <laughs> is the takeaway from there. Other bulbous-headed um, uh, fat guys, as our fat fit guy writes. But uh, yeah, I think that's the the end of that chapter. They sort of have recruited our, uh, Swires to uh, to go along with them because he, I guess, had an interview with Warbride. So they're going to tag along so that we can uh, go and finally meet one of those uh, four characters uh, from the Mount Rushmore of, of discussed characters off screen. Uh, it's not exactly the end of the chapter, the last line. 
Oh boy. It gets very sweaty again. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get close to the microphone for this Lobo one. sweaty? Yeah, give us an ASMR. Passing him on the way to her doorway, she paused and kissed him on the cheek. Good night. So that's pretty sweet. <laughs> so he's the, once again, the robot woman. So he's been betrayed by the robot kid, but he's just hanging out with a robot woman yeah. and letting her kiss him repeatedly. Right. This is, well, second time, I suppose. Sure. And and we, we didn't talk about this, but the way that she was able to rescue him from the bullring was that she had planted a fly speck size tracking device on him the last time she had gone in for a kiss. But so he was, <laughs> he felt betrayed by that briefly, but then was like, it is, it's a good thing you did that. But her, um, her interactions with him have been to knock him out several times with a <laughs> shock ring, plant things on him, falsely kiss him, and he's completely on board. Right. And, you know, uh, it, it, we see immediately in the next chapter uh, just about how on board he might be, uh, because they chapter 25, they are driving to um, go to to visit Warbride, but they sort of come to a checkpoint and uh, a captain um, is interrogating them because he's he's worried they're going to try to infiltrate their paramilitary operation. So he says, less flippancy in your answers, if you don't mind. The captain took one precise step forward and slapped Beth hard across the face. Damn you, Jake started to lunge at him. So he's he's either acting here or it's been less than 48 hours since he met this person and he's immediately reversed his whole, like, I don't work with Andy's, you guys are scum type of thing. Like, he's just, his, Beth has won him over with her hotness that much that he's now, like, you know, lunging at this guy who's mistreating her. Who's mistreating the android? Who, uh, yeah, what? Oh, my God. <laughs> There's another, like, this This happened a bunch. And people wrote in about this, too. But he has a weird way of constructing sentences. Um, and this is just an example. It happened multiple times in this, in this um, section, but it's happened before, too. That sure isn't, complained Swires, going to help our case. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. my God, they're all over the place. And, like, it's been, uh, we learned how to demo diagram sentences in seventh grade, so it's been a long time. And I don't consider myself a copy editor or that type of um, writer, but that's wrong, right? That that's is very jarring. Utterly wrong. I have that, I had that as a dumb sentence, so I, okay. I, I do have a backup. Okay. Yeah, that is so bizarre. That sure isn't complained Swires. So you're completely out of the construction of what he's speaking at this point. Yeah. It, that doesn't make any sense. You could, you know, just as a tip to writers, you don't have to actually talk about someone talking. You can just have them talk. <laughs> and you don't have to describe how they talked unless the thing is adding to it. And his are right. always like, wait, what? Why did you stop in the middle of that? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, like it's a, bizarre. It's another one of those PEMDAS problems with the order of operations of a sentence, which is, you know, not something you want to be mentally computing as you're reading a terrible book like this. <laughs> Yeah, um, here's here's a problem that I had with the opening sentence of chapter 25, if you're following along. Uh, sure. The land van drove itself. <laughs> a small black guide box had been attached, blah, 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 blah. So what the hell was all these sombrero-wearing Andes, right. you know, with right. the guys going like, am I doing it right, senor? Yeah. You know, I can't, you know, the yes. most offensive. Look, this is, that's supposed to add to the thing? Like, if we're past that, if you can just navigate by yourself, why are you trying to... I mean, he was taking cabs with guys who were like, yeah, I'm sorry, right. I'm a bit of a mess. You know, like, <laughs> right. you could just be a box that I don't even have to talk to. <laughs> right, this that's is, a very good point. It's uh, like... Uh, this it's is like, an you know, option. 
Yeah, it's like anachronistic technology, like you know, uh, a uh, put your the touch tone phones like on your on your uh, iPhone. It doesn't need to make the sounds or anything like that, but it just is a uh, that's the way it used to be, and people have sort of got used to that. Or even the phrase "dial a phone" you used to actually dial one, and like now we still talk about it that way, even though nobody has ever dialed a phone in the past twenty years. But I guess just the comfort of getting onto a self-driving land bus and there being a uh, horrible stereotype there is just something that people are sort of used to and take pleasure in. (laughs) Who who turns to you and then gives you irritating conversation. That's what the future needs more of. Oh, anyway, so he goes to the, so the, this new trio of Mm -hmm. people, the Jake, uh, the dark haired woman whose hair is brushing against her shoulders constantly. Uh, goes with uh, Ogden, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Great! Wow! Very impressive. <laughs> and uh, and then maybe this is where they meet Vargas. Is that the guy that they meet? And I think there was oh. a bit of fanfic about this because there's a bunch of land uh, uh, vehicles mentioned and air vehicles <laughs> in this, just as a throwaway sentence and talking about burnt out husks of you know these uh, robot combat robots and stuff like that. So yeah. I don't think this is Vargas. I think they're taking some of them are taking orders from Vargas. So Vargas is sort of running the cabal. So this is the guy that slapped Beth was Janel, was was Admiral Aguilar or something. Oh, Aguilar. Then, okay, I got. Sorry, that's right. Yeah. I have the notes here. I got to mix it up. And then General Ribera, who is like Jake's old buddy from back on the force, uh, busting Andy Hooker's type of thing. Um, uh, he shows up later, um, but they they sort of have like a, another holographic uh, house set up. Yeah, uh, this makes no sense. <laughs> these, like, these holographic houses. This was, yeah, this was a. This was a like they're trying to get to to see Warbride, and they have this. They I guess this sort of establishes her um, her military regimen, but not, not not a lot happened in this chapter. Another uh, something that I liked though was Aguilar, who's the bad guy. Um, he says to them, "You're in a war zone here." Reminded Aguilar. What what some effete public relations person may have promised you back in the safety of. <laughs> so he he just takes you know a- apropos of nothing he decides to slam the PR department uh War Warbright's PR department by calling them effete um <laughs> which was I, th- I thought was pretty funny <laughs> that common Mexican word uh here's a sentence I need people to help me figure out what this means Aguilar moved toward the rear of the vehicle he clicked his heels and bowed as a blind door hissed slowly open oh man a blind I- like they're blinds sliding across it or the door itself is blind or I think it was one of those cases where he used a word that's supposed to be like and a blind door and then didn't yeah. think that like that actually doesn't mean anything. There's the, like a door that didn't look like a door before it opened like <laughs> like that, I, that I, sort of I, I guess that's what it means. But he clicked his heels. So he was seen. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was a smooth thing. And then the I don't know. Yeah, uh, but like you know, yeah, they're very they're, they're, the characters in this scene were not very interesting or good, and I thought that that was maybe why they keep talking about characters and not introducing them because they they realize that they don't have the means to actually make them into interesting or compelling people once they finally show up. Right. This is, uh, yeah, their record is not good at this point. Uh, I have one more in this chapter. I have an odd hand thing again. Ooh. We know that Shatlart cannot write hands, and so this may seem subtle at first, but think about it. Uh, Jake spread his hands wide as he's talking to like, it's supposed to be a gesture, yeah. but he spread his hands wide, <laughs> not his arms. 
you know, where you put your <laughs> arms wide and go, what's going on? That's the moment. It's like, yeah, yeah, Hey, yeah. what the hell's right. going on, man? So he stopped. So, so were they like jazz hands? And so yeah, he's or like spreading trying, his, trying to palm a basketball. Yeah, he's spreading his fingers apart as wide as he could. Is what that <laughs> means, right? You you spread your spread your arms wide would be yeah, you know, arms wide open. Maybe. Yeah, Jake couldn't believe it. So he spread his arms wide, but no, he spread his hands wide. So maybe he had him right up <laughs> by his chest, like the little jazz number, and then he's just spread his right. fingers really wide. What's going on? So. Or like that creature in like a Pan's Labyrinth as he opens his hand and he's got the eyes in them like that. Yeah, that's that's what I figured Jake was that's... doing. <laughs> uh, but we do we we're, we're there were four four characters we had not yet met. We're about to meet one of them, which is exciting. Um, in chapter twenty six, uh, which is Warbride, we're finally going to get introduced to the elusive Warbride. Uh, and but it starts by them they've they've traveled through this checkpoint and now they've entered the Great Forest and we get a just a compelling description of the great forest you or me might read the words great forest and we might uh think like what might this look like this is a very foreign concept to me um but he fortunately describes the idea of a forest to us uh to start the chapter the huge trees rose up rose up hundreds of feet and stretched away ahead of them like endless rows of giant pillars darkness was slowly starting to fill in the spaces between the trees and their high distant branches seemed to be fading so it's a it's a for it's a forest <laughs> Yes. And we've all seen a forest hundreds, if not thousands of times. And this is a, another one of them. So uh, put a forest in your mind. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me just point out before we leave it at the very end of I still I had it in in all caps in chapter 25. They're still talking about that crash. There was uh -huh. apparently a crash and it took place in the Selva Grande, which she now controls. <laughs> it just it's like the crash is, is another Bennett Sands or Sonny Hikori. Like that's what he went there to investigate. Right, you know what yeah. I'm talking Like, why didn't he just get to the crash? They're still talking yeah. about that crash and what happened to the to the daughter, to Beth. And right. uh, it's chapter <laughs> it's 25. That was the thing. <laughs> anyway. Um yeah, the MacGuffin, I suppose. It's a, it's a book of all, all MacGuffins and no actual substance, I suppose. Just keep chasing one after another. And then at the beginning of chapter 26, uh, line of dialogue, you know Bennett Sands. Yeah, I'm like, yes, yes, for the oh love of God. God. We all know him. It's just a tick at this point. <laughs> um, yeah. And then so Swires uh, has, has been like taking notes. He's like they're sort of making him to be like a a lame. He's like a, a not a good reporter. He's like reporting on things without getting out and actually looking at him. And the characters call him out on that. So it's he's sort of a, a joke of a character. But at some point in time, he says, Swires asked, can I use my camera now? Smiling faintly, Ribera replied, no one will object, senor. And so I think Rivera just then went on to apologize. I'm sorry, my facial expressions have no relationship or bearing to my words or mood. <laughs> right. I just smile faintly every now and then, even though I'm just telling you, you can use a camera. <laughs> uh, look, just, you know, if you need to just look at my booted foot, that's actually a better indication of what's going on with me. I, I'm, I'm very bad at this. If I order onion rings for the table, will you have some? Uh, <laughs> He he frowned slightly. Rivera replied, <laughs> yes. I, I, "I would eat one or two. Um, yeah, this is the uh, the the reporter is supposed to be the satire of the book because he's a, but it's so poorly done. Um, I, I was writing down one of his sentences and realized, 
oh, it's only after the fact that you go like people are, you know, sneering at him and everything. But it's not it's not in any way sharply done or no, because he's not pointed or anything, because it seems like the dialogue that's all around it, except that people are commenting like, what a dipshit. (laughs) And he's immediately made into a sympathetic figure because they knock him unconscious at at breakfast unprovoked. Yeah, right. like, you know, there's no reason to, like, think that, like, he's, you know, he's not bothering them consistently. He's not showing up one after another. And then they do that. He just, like, sits down at the table and they're like, bam. Yeah. So it goes uh, pretty quickly. They get uh, summoned to the speech of War Bride. Yeah. We finally meet a character who has been referenced not as much as Hikori or <laughs> or Sans, but uh, certainly has been mentioned, I'm sure, 40 times up till now maybe yeah i mean um what they what they didn't mention is that i guess she's a cyborg she has a metal hand she is a cyborg yep they never call her that because i guess that's different for whatever reason but so yeah she does have a metal hand and she's uh leading they come to her she's like having a uh propaganda meeting so they've got a, a crowd of 100 like 400 people but then they like flesh it out with holograms to make it look like it's a thousand and like for, for propaganda like, reasons, which I laughed about, like okay, that's all post production. You, know yeah, right. you don't need to put those in right now. Yeah, get the clone tool. Uh, yeah. You can make that. No one's going to be scanning this that closely. But right. yeah, I guess so. She she shows up, and this I thought it was pretty awesome. Uh, the the ampl voice amplified voice of a woman came echoing through the great trees. Who am I? War bride answered the as yet unseen crowd. I cannot hear you. War bride. Once again, please, I still can't quite hear you. War bride, all caps. Yes. So I was like, oh, it's good to know that the military cabal leaders use the same tactics as, like, you know, when the REO Speedwagon comes to the state fair or when your vice principal was, like, leading a high school pep rally type of thing. Oh, you know the famous story of this is many years ago. Who's the band who sang uh, Slow Ride? Um, uh, Foghat? Uh, Foghat. <laughs> A friend of mine, uh, his brother went to see it. We we know this mutual film that they teased it out. They're like, are you ready? And the crowd was like, yeah. Are you ready to take a ride? <laughs> yeah, we think so. I don't know. Yeah. What kind of ride is it going to be? <laughs> are you ready to take a slow ride? And of course, they, they go bananas at that. It was like it was just the comedy of teasing that out. Who am I? War bride, I think, right? Yeah, exactly. Why are we not getting responses for this? Both the, the idea of any anyone who doesn't know why they're there being in the crowd, being like, "What are, when are we? What are we building towards? What is this ride we're we're speaking of?" I came right. to a concert. I, oh, is this the band that sings that song? Okay, yeah, I guess I you know I thought that was Ario Speedwagon. I get the two confused, but all right, yeah, no, I'm aboard. That's a good riff, right? Uh, uh, but then she. She not only does that, she does a thing that I, uh, she, she launches into her backstory, oh, which is good. Oh man. Yeah. Read the <laughs> whole thing. Heard, if you have it this. there, I have, yeah, I've got some, some excerpts, but she, she, she goes on. She says, I have been called war bride since I was 17. Since my brother and father vanished. I have been called war bride since the day I was raped by federal soldiers, raped by five men who serve a tyrant. I have been war bride since that day. And so at this point, people in the audience have to be like, is she, is she going to say this like every time she does a speech? Like she's she's a well-established tyrant. We know we, we know her backstory. Like we're here. We're already we're on board. You don't have to. Just you know, we sing, don't need to sing an, slow ride. 
we don't need an autobiography. But then uh, I have been war bride since that day, since that dark day when I swore I would not marry a lover, not a good man who wanted me. I would be married to war. So that's like, you know, <laughs> that's that's like the mother of dragons, like explaining that every time she showed up on Game of Thrones to, you know, to, to torch a village or whatever. And then she yells out, uh, tell me my name. <laughs> to which, of course, they respond, War Bride. But the one yeah. guy who probably went like, it's, it's Debbie? I remember I met yeah. you. Oh, shit. No, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> War Bride. Right. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. The guy just nudges him in the elbow like, I can't bring you anywhere. Come on, man. He's like ordering a hot dog from the vendor while that's happening. So he doesn't. <laughs> he's like, two down here. I, I, uh, relish and but War Bride. And yeah, relish on one mustard. And ketchup. He's putting ketchup on it. I can't bring you anywhere, man. <laughs> Um, and then uh, the other thing that I thought was funny, she covers, she covers her whole backstory. Uh, but there's a, uh, there's a, you know, she's not plump, but the, there's not the characters. Some of them are not fully on board with the way she looks. She wore her hair cut short and there were traces of weariness and strain showing in her tanned face. And it goes on to say though, she was a pretty woman with an intensity in her dark eyes. So I think it's like, you know, what, what is Warbride supposed to do? She's, she's out here leading a, leading a, a revolution, like an, an insurrection, and she's getting criticized for looking a little tired. Yeah, well, he also describes her later, his only one description of women is limited to hair color. <laughs> a dark-haired woman wearing tan trousers, highly polished black boots, and a blood-red sleeveless tunic stood alone on the stage. <laughs> so then, so she's weary, but she's, yeah. But hair worn. Yes. Uh, but yes. But then someone else who is who is not having it is uh, is Beth. I feel like Beth was maybe feeling a little uh, a little jealousy. Beth leaned closer to Jake and whispered, "She looks a lot older than I expected." Jake. <laughs> Jake says, "Warbride's a good five years younger than I am. That doesn't exactly make her a teenager." Beth settled down cross-legged behind him. "You've held up a lot better." So it's like the the claws are coming out now. Well, uh, a little bit of. Uh... Goulart turned in a chapter that didn't mention how uh, how young and virile the hero is. You know, like right. Shatner's like, ah, look, you know, I'm I'm still doing okay, or I'm doing better than uh, right. Warbride. <laughs> right. Like, I just thought that was so strange. Wait a minute, what? He's having people compliment him right. in the course yeah. of this thing. <laughs> like, right. She looks pretty old, but you, wow. <laughs> right. As they're doing the you know the Hollywood romance of pairing up, like. Uh, you know, Bill Murray with Scarlett Johansson from their age difference here type of thing. Um, and then she not only is, you know, attracted to him and kissing him, she's also then complimenting him and dissing other women. It's pretty awesome. Right. But someone uh, someone whose uh, looks have been commented on uh, before is also going to show up to to end the chapter. Uh, someone was being led out onto the stage now. His pale blue suit was tattered, splashed with blood. His face was bruised and cut. But Jake recognized him. That's Globo. So I wonder... Just curious what might have tipped him off. I don't know. <laughs> Globo hasn't really had any distinguishing features, so I, 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 I didn't say how Jake recognized him. So I was left wondering that myself. His pale blue suit was tattered, splashed with blood, and yet he looked dry and handsome. <laughs> yes. He really cut quite a fine figure. <laughs> yes, composed and yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, though though his fate seemed imminent, he he managed to wink at a woman in the front row, and she was immediately smitten with his raw charisma. Uh, I wonder who the friend of uh, Goulart's was who was like, I, I uh, read that book of yours. Yeah. Uh, how sweaty do you think I am, you yeah, son exactly. of a... <laughs> His buddy, George Lobo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Oh, well, there we are. So yeah, once that's... again, we I guess we have met another character. So we're, yep. we're up to one as far as I know. Yeah, uh, we should have. Because yeah, we, we haven't met Beth yet. Uh, the real Beth. We met her. Should have. <laughs> exactly. We haven't met the doctor. We haven't seen the crash. We haven't met Bennett Sands, Sonny Hokori, or uh, Vargas, Rafe Vargas. We should have done a... I guess we didn't realize it was going to be a thing, but you know how people do when there's like a, at a baby shower, people like pick the day it's going to come. Yeah, right. uh, should have done that. Which chapter will we finally meet Bennett Sands or Sonny Kokori in? Cause I think we would have, we would have not given them this much credit. They could have drawn it out this far. If uh, there is another chapter where they mention them, <laughs> I swear to God. Uh, well, let's read some people's emails. We go to the party. We go to the game. We go to the dinner. And got the cruise out, man. Steal away, Connor. All right. We got an email from Nick who, uh, fastest way to my heart is to mention things from the final five pages of Armada. That's uh, some of my favorite pages we've covered on this podcast. And this one, (laughs) this one (laughs) manages to do that. Reading this latest section, it dawned on me why the Plaz thing is so incredibly baffling. Apart from appearing 71 times in a single book. It was the sequence with the bulls that did it. No one other author I've ever read has been so obsessed with telling you exactly what everything is made of. Think about that. Even without the plaz prefix, Shatlard has told you exactly what at least 71 things are made out of. For example, <laughs> every time you see plaz glass window, drop the plaz, and he is telling us that it is a glass window. Here is a sample passage from near the end of chapter 16. Chapter 16. There was a round metal table with three chairs. At one of the places sat a plaz mug. And then he Nick says, why would it make any difference at all if it was written like this? There was a round table with three chairs at one of the places sat a mug. <laughs> <laughs> Plaz really stands out because it's a completely stupid made up thing, but the obsession is more prevalent and manifests itself in a more subtle way, too. The word metal appears 72 times. Only five of those are part of the word metallic. There are no other variations. That makes 67 things that are being described as metal. Considering that <laughs> Plaz is almost always a prefix, metal wins. It is to tech war what dodecahedron was to armada. <laughs> oh, wow. And then That's he says, Inter- yeah, interestingly, nothing is plasmetal. Oh, I think, did I put that? I put some sort of plas, uh, plaschrome was a, oh, nice. uh, was a term that okay. fooled Perfect. a few people in, nice. <laughs> in the test. <laughs> uh, this one is from Janelle. It, it was uh, very funny. It was referencing the Madame Reina's uh, calling the guy the Chinese, or no, I guess she didn't do that. Goulart called it called him the Chinese when he got shot, but she uh, forwarded a uh, email from her neighborhood next door service. You know, like a service where neighbors can essentially just tell people like so and so is not cutting their lawn or right. Type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so she uh, this was subject break ins. It'll make sense at the end. The the neighbor had written just a suggestion, but perhaps since all almost all homes have garages, cars should be put in them. So many people use their garages for their accumulated junk, which can easily be stored in the numerous conveniently located storage units. Garages are for cars, not for storing all that. I just can't bear to part with goodwill-ready junk. I love – this is a woman just writing to anonymous neighbors. I'd love to see our streets free from the usual parked cars of residents. I rarely have a space in front of my home, even though I do not need it. It would be nice just to have. My car is always in the locked garage, and the car is locked even when in there. Also, more cameras in the neighborhood would be helpful. Then when caught, the perps would have to pay a steep price. No slap in the wrist. The Chinese have a good idea, but that would never fly here, unfortunately. (laughs) End of email. And so Janelle said her boyfriend had spent hours wondering what the hell the Chinese do Uh, and for what. 
I paused and I'm, <laughs> wait, <laughs> do you have a clue? You must have thought about this. I mean, just surveillance. I have no idea. I have no idea. Like, I, I mean, cameras, like just cameras everywhere. I have no idea. I, I Obviously, this is a weird woman who's comfortable writing horrible emails like this to her neighbors, but it's baffling. Wow. I guess, you know. Uh, she should have, if she could only be more puzzling if she had said something like, you know, the Portuguese have settled this. <laughs> right, be like, exactly. wait a minute. What? Yeah. There's no, I'm trying to yeah. think a about society. We, nobody has real, like, you know, stereotypes about or, or ones that they were aware of. Right. <laughs> Weird. <Yeah. laughs> so that's good. Anyone has any idea what the Chinese are doing to prevent, uh, car break-ins in your, uh, suburban, uh, HOA communities. Please let us know. We have one more email from Sam. Uh, he's listening to our current, your current tech war shellacking. It's really starting to hit me how Klein and Goulart are cut from the same cloth. Yes. The thing that's, yeah, exactly. The thing that's been getting me lately is their mutual lack of imagination when it comes to future slang. Aside from lazy phrases like Plaz and Gunter, both of them seem to think that the past is the best model to follow when describing how people talk in the friggin' future. Goulart gives all his characters all the old-timey phrases and stereotypical regionalisms, and Klein apparently believes people in the 2040s are going to unironically talk like leet hacksaws from the late 90s. <laughs> Klein also likes to have his teenage characters talk like 40-year-olds, but that's because he's never met a teenager in his life. But I guess I have to give the edge to Goulart, because as far as I can tell, no other writer has thought to use that particular quirk of style, and nor should they. But I feel like he's trying, or at least he's just so inept that he can't see how weird it reads. Comparatively, Ernest Klein is the least imaginative writer who ever lived, so F him. Do I sound bitter? Anyway, keep up the good work, and I'm glad Mike is suffering slightly less on this one. I know I am. Oh, nice. Uh, I would point out, though, that you don't have a lot of clues. What was that uh, writer's name? Sam. Sam, as to Strella's age, she is not a teenager. So if you are trying to pull her into your discussion of how teenagers talk, right. she is not yet 13. So Right, exactly. Uh, so yeah, maybe. But that was Klein doing that. So I guess Chatlart uh, does that as well with the uh, t not quite teenagers who talk like 40-year-olds. But uh, yeah, good emails, people. Uh, thank you for writing them in. Um, a lot of those people who wrote in are also our Patreon supporters. So if you want to join them over on Patreon, take, you can take the quiz. Uh, it's patreon.com slash 372 pages. They get all the episodes early. And uh, we're going to, since we're taking a break for, for Christmas and everything, we'll put up your, uh, your uh, little uh, bonus episode about your nickname soon, Mike, too. Oh, right. This is, uh, this is thrilling stuff. I, I have a, a follow-up to that that I will <laughs> unlock in a future thing because there was a lot of, there was fallout from it from, my, from the actual people involved. Oh, wow. All right. I, yeah, I won't get too into it. it. It's very brief. It's only just a couple of the um, uh, nicknames that other friends attempted to put on and <laughs> it's very it uh it created a firestorm of emails that'll very quickly explain but that'll be nice. a little uh, package to be right. unlocked and maybe we'll have an interview with the guy who was at the fog hat concert as a bonus later and then <laughs> yeah. he's he's always available <laughs> uh well one last thing to do and that's the dumb sentence of the week a sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, plas, big, plas, big. Plas. A sentence ends with, with a, a plasium or an exclamation or, or a, a plasmark. Mark. A sentence always ends with a period or an exclamation or a plasmark. Anyway, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a sentence of the week. 
Yeah. Every uh, every week we go through and pick a dumb sentence, and we this uh, week has been uh, a bevy of, of dumb sentences from which to choose. Uh, a lot of people wrote in, so uh, we'll start with Brad. He was this is uh, when they were in the hologram house or the hologram like uh, tent that the uh, the paramilitary guys had made. Slowly, with occasional jerks, a building began to take shape. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Again, you know, if we if we were able to, we'd love to see that animated just to see how that was a uh, how that was happening. I don't a hologram would would beam immediately into existence complete. Right. It's not like a 3D printed building. I don't know how the, the hologram thing is utterly I, I don't get how it works and how it's supposed to make you feel like you're like who's being fooled by it because we all know there are holograms. And so right. when she's doing propaganda and everything, and then she just adds holograms to it, like, look, we all live in a world where we know all of this is easily right. available. So I don't believe you and I don't care. And I don't think that you have a house that is uh, right. <laughs> 20 stories tall. You could do it anything, right? If there's a hologram, you could make, I live yeah, the Taj Mahal. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't get it, but it also yeah. doesn't seem like it, Oh, the other one, the, the guy didn't make his payment, so that sort of fuzzed out of existence, right? right. Oh, yeah. It took, no, it took like three minutes, didn't it? It was like a, It's like three minutes later he responded. It was one of those standing right. there next to each other moments. It was, yeah, one of the original ones of those. Yeah, well, we gave it just then more thought than the author did. So. Right, uh, sorry. Next is Dave, who wrote in. This one was really good. Dave's sentence was, he was about 40, and a little more than half of his face was handsome. <laughs> and that's, Where that's, was that? I missed that. That was him. That was him talking about the uh, like the general, his old buddy, I think, that showed up. One of those, one of those two guys in the paramilitary. Oh yeah, yeah. But he says uh, that was that reminded him of Jake Cardigan channeling his inner Frank Drebin. He can't keep from reading that line in Leslie Nielsen's voice. Which uh, <laughs> wow. once he said that, I was like, yeah, that's you know, that's a pretty funny <laughs> uh, description of of that one. It is a good uh, naked gun kind of dialogue. Um, Janelle wrote in and said uh, the high ceiling was equally blank. That's uh, when she's he's looking around trying to find an escape route and there's no windows or doors. And then he looks uh, where you'd expect to find a window or door, the ceiling. And then it's <laughs> that it was equally blank. Uh, <laughs> another I, I forgot to take the name down of this person, but he wrote in both of the uh, both of the grammar things uh, that sure isn't complaint. Swire's going to help our case. And then that was the one you mentioned earlier. And then there was another one. The next chapter. Then Warbride might, said Jake, do Stan's a favor. God, that is a, oh, that's so bad. <laughs> it's so irritating uh, to read. It makes yeah, you it, instantly angry. It, uh, and you read it out loud once and you're like, we need to change this. Uh, it, it adds nothing to do it that way. No, it, it's not a style that, I, I mean, does Shatner in his fevered dreams think like I invented a new way to write a sentence, you know, like, <laughs> right. uh, it'll catch on, trust me or something. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Um, but, uh, the last one is Carrie. She said, uh, this was Swires. I wasn't tired. He clicked off the recorder, letting his hand swing down to his side. I make it a point to get sufficient sleep. Even when I'm covering a war, that's a sentence that a person would say. Um, <laughs> sure. So um, mine, uh, we I had a few flags. Uh, we covered a couple of them, but one that we did not. This is when Jake was uh, trying, you know, fending for his life in the face of three mechanical bulls that are breathing fire and charging at him with steel talons. Uh, he stood still, wide-legged, trying to keep track of the actions of all three of the dangerous mechanisms. That's how you would refer to those bulls that are charging at you. Dangerous mechanisms. Like you with your garbage disposal. 
Oh, he's doing the, again, it's like uh, Tice. He just can't think of another word or yeah, what? Exactly. what? Yep. <laughs> it's the thor- thesaurus and uh, the problem. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, again, we covered mine. Are we to me yet? Can I go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it. Teacher, can I go? Uh, I'm just pointing out glow gold again because it's above my dumb sentence of the week. Just reminding everyone, glow gold. (laughs) G-L-O-G-O-L-D. But here's my dumb sentence of the week. And this is Mama Raina. Uh, (laughs) Just in isolation. Again, not a lot of fireworks, but just listen to the sentence in isolation. Chuckling, she returned to her huge lucite rocking chair. (laughs) <laughs> it's just not a sentence you're going to get in any other book. That's true. Yeah. So, it's unique as hell. Chuck, oh, man. Chuckling. <laughs> Again, though, it, who is that person supposed to be? Why does she have a huge, huge lucite Luc- rocking? Like, how big? Right. Is it nine feet tall? Is it 13 <laughs> feet tall? And what uh, is the difference between plaz and lucite? That's what I'm saying. What the hell? We already had a word, lucite. <laughs> I believe it's uh, it's probably uh, you know, it's it's copyrighted, and you know, I don't know. Yeah. Wow. That's good. That was another one I sort of I, I glanced over. Yeah. Lucite is a quality, high quality trademark version of acrylic resin developed by Dupont. It is plaz. It's plaz. Everything. <laughs> lucite. We already had it. <laughs> Oh, Shatlard, Shatlard, Well, the important thing is that she was chuckling as she did that. (laughs) Her her huge (sighs) rocking chair. I remember when my grandma would chuckle and return to her huge rocking chair. It's impossible for me to hear about someone chuckling without thinking about my friend's dad breaking the silence to go, (laughs) John Candy. (laughs) They were driving... They were driving in silence and just like he just he, he chuckled and, and said that to himself just as a, a fond mental reminisce that he didn't bother to explain to anybody. Oh, I hope to God that everyone looked at each other and said, if anyone responds to this in any way, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I so. hope the freeze out was hard yeah, and fast. We cannot know. None of us. We will take this to our graves knowing what moment he was thinking of or why he reminded him of it in this just drive to grandma's house. We are not opening this door. And if you do, I will kill you. Yeah. Maybe he was, uh, maybe he was, you know, that was his Chinese. It was what the Chinese do. That was his John Candy moment. Right. Idea. He's never expressed interest in John Candy. There's never been, we've never watched a movie with him. Oh, that would be a John Candy. That would be a good name for a character in a comic book. (laughs) Oh, wait, there's an actor name. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right. What's our assignment? Oh, yeah, our assignment is reading through Chapter 30. That'll be the uh, second-to-last one. Um, got some extra time to do it, so I think it'll be good. Will Bennett Sands turn up? What do you think? What's your gun to your head? I don't think so. I think that that's <laughs> going to end up to be... That's going to be his little gag. I think he's going to think it's funny when they never appear, and it's going to be a speech from a different villain who's going to say, oh, the whole Sonny Hikori, Bennett Sands, was a setup, and you fell for it. Wow. You stupid man. I always knew that you were jealous and it's going to be that kind of thing. And it's, I, the, I don't know. The doctor's going to do that. I, Beth, I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> His wife and son, two other characters we haven't met who don't get talked about nearly as much as these other idiots. I think they are just cannon fodder. They get killed immediately by a mechanical <laughs> bull or something. And then, and then he's like, no. <laughs> oh, 
Well, a lot of mysteries in these last 80 pages, a lot of uh, things that I'm sure are going to blow our minds when we get to them. So yeah, through 30 for the next time and uh, go check out our Patreon. Thanks to everyone who does already. Um, I guess we'll see you next time. Yeah, this has been a uh, great episode. I'm sorry to take the break, actually. I've been I've been enjoying this. I am uh, Michael J. Nelson. <laughs> I'm Connor Lestoko. See you next time on 372 Pages. We'll never get back. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs>